And welcome to the Life Support Live podcast, the weekly podcast that explores how Star Trek can help us to boldly go in our own lives to better ourselves and the rest of humanity. As a famous Starship captain once said, and as another famous Starship captain also once said, the one with the new series on the way, wherever our mission takes us, we'll try to have a little fun along the way. Always, always, that's the goal. Hi, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Ali Matu. And I'm Dr. Trek, Larry Nimacek. One of us is a real doctor. And we'll leave it to you to decide who that is. <laughs> hey, every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, we record this show live on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook with our audience joining in and rebroadcast here as a podcast. If you'd like to join us live, check out the links in the show notes. And now... Let's engage with our regularly scheduled program, Already in Progress. So, Larry, what are we talking about in today's episode? Oh, no. Uh, since considering all the savage beasts we seem to have out there. No, There's a lot. This week. Uh, last week was kind of rough and tough and not to shy away from that, where we thought... And the uh, week before. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, yes. That um, our, our theme is by popular demand, by the way, which is topping yeah. all polls. Uh, music. In fact, I started to say music in Star Trek for us and for them, <laughs> meaning everybody on screen and those listening in at home. Yeah, we're going to be talking about music as it relates to mental health, how music impacts you. We're also going to be talking about music in canon and how music is related to some key characters. And we're also going to talk about um, how music impacts storytelling. So, mm-hmm. We're going to go in a lot of different directions, folks, but this is going to be a fun conversation. Um, we're going to have, we're going to have a really good time here. So, Larry, we were talking in our pre-show about this and we were talking about how you and I both have this one cue in Star Trek that when we hear this musical cue, when we hear a sequence or when we think about it, Everything comes back. The images of what happens in that story, we can we can sing or hum along mm-hmm. that music completely. And um, what was it for you? Or, or do the dialogue that's going. We on. can do the dialogue. Yeah, totally, totally. Okay. The whole sequence comes to life. Um, well, there's all these there's all these you know iconic moments in Star Trek music, and we'll talk about some today. But I mean, to me, and you would think it would be. A movie score, because the movie scores, that, always, uh, yeah. like everything else, gets the biggest budget. They're, they're the grandest. Um, but no, to me, it all goes back to the Doomsday Machine. Doomsday Machine. That was such a surprise yeah. to me that that was, um, that's the I, one that, um, that did it for you. Um, can you give us a little Doomsday Machine for the audience? Well, there's, <laughs> there's, there's two parts. <laughs> it's main, I mean, the main that everyone remembers in what we just flashed there, uh, uh, it's a, it increasingly comes back and comes back in a more heated way, heated way. But the whole da-dum, 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 that whole build, I mean, it was so much that years later, well, I'm, I'm talking about when I'm a kid. I'm a kid. Some of these things that you say, what do you remember? What do you, they're all so seminal, and that's why sometimes... To this day, the original series still predominates because mm-hmm. we talk one week about when we're younger. That's when the, when we're babies is when we learn the things when we were first a fan 
whatever the age that is, or mm-hmm. especially if you were first a fan when you're 8, 10, 12, 15, those are the things that really stick with you, even though you enjoy everything that is to come. But you, it's like you can't overcome when you're younger. And for yeah. me on music, even though, yes, Motion Picture and Wrath of Khan are probably the other seminal things, uh, moments, but the Doomsday Machine, um, I was just so impressed. And I didn't even realize it. It's one of those things where after you've been around the block two or three times with watching What's funny is everybody talks about doing rewatches now. I used to do that when I was a kid, and we called it After School on TV. <laughs> it was my rewatch. And uh, after two or three rewatches, you start going, wow, the music in this show is so, you know, you remember all the Star Trek music, um, mm-hmm. you know, including, the, you know, the Amok Time, you know, uh, fight. But the Doomsday Machine, Saul Kaplan was the composer, and it was years later, I'm. I, caught up in the jaws not years later only two or three about the same time really a couple years later and the whole jaws da-dum, da-dum, dum, 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 dum. and i thought wow did he rip off saul kaplan oh wait a minute maybe saul kaplan ripped him off no wait no this was written in 1967 uh john williams wrote that in 1974-75 wait a minute who ripped off who here but no that's that's to this day i can you know um, he's 500 miles from the planet killer in closing, you know, Sulu. The other thing from uh, Doomsday, though, that I always, I always go to is I just call it the dirge. It's when they see the constellation sitting there, mm. and it's this very plaintive little dum da da dum dum da da dum dum da dum. It's very plaintive and very melancholy. And it's my, it's like Star Trek's little dirge. Forget what's done for a later movie when somebody dies or a show. Mm-hmm. I always think of that as the Star Trek dirge. Uh, <laughs> just those little, that little, but yes, there you go. I think I proved your point. Uh, you definitely proved my point, and we're getting um, uh, we're getting a lot of love for music in the comments. But what um, a lot of people are bringing up, yeah. a lot of people are bringing up a mock time, which for me with the original <laughs> series, that's the theme. You know, a mock time brings up a lot of those feelings for me, Larry. I shocked everybody. But you know what? What do I always say? I'm not the same old, same old. But yes, of course, the fight, the fight song is definitely the one cue that mundane world can throw into anything. And, yeah, and it's been... And everybody knows what it is. And it's, it's been put or, in so much stuff. It's been put in... Theaters, it's Friends, I don't know, whatever, whatever, take some sitcom and throw that in and everybody instantly gets it. Everybody's hey, Larry's got impressions here. Yes, he does. Larry's got some uh, impressions for us this morning. I'm not the only one. Um, and I love, I love how Michael Giacchino took uh, the Amok Time mm-hmm. theme and put that in Star Trek Into Darkness. One of my probably one of my favorite moments of Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, but that's a different episode for me, Larry. That moment, it's not the Doomsday Machine, and it's actually not um, a mock time either. But my moment uh, comes from Wrath of Khan, mm-hmm. and it is um, uh, James Horner's. I think there's. It's about an eight minute track called the Genesis Countdown. It is. Um, it's towards the end of the soundtrack. It's one of the last ones, and um, it, I I know that theme that whole sequence (laughs) so well and what i love about the whole score to wrath of khan 
you play any part of that score, and I, I imagine this, the theme, but my mm. favorite part, or I can imagine exactly what's happening, but my favorite part of Genesis Countdown, it's every theme, Khan's theme, the Kirk Enterprise theme, um, you they collide with each other, and there's almost like a dance, just like the uh, Reliant and the Enterprise in space, and there's this building tension to the to the genesis device being triggered and there's also a moment in that song where um or in that in that piece where that's the that's the minor bit of it i know i know that's it's pretty that's pretty good yeah I just I, I love the interplay there, and I love I love the moment where uh, where Spock decides that he is going to sacrifice himself. You know, it's just um, it's so it's so good. I I can listen whenever I need to get pumped for something, or I really need a lot of focus. I fire up the Wrath of Khan. Well, I fire up a lot of Star Trek music, but when I really need to go deep, Larry. It's, it's your, Wrath of Khan. It's Wrath of Khan for you. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. In fact, I just realized this. There's a virtual convention tomorrow that I'm going to be boothing at in a Zoom room. It's going to be kind of a – I'll talk about this later in a little bit. But I did a Instagram Live the other day, and I was mm-hmm. just scrolling through all the people that have virtual booths, the news sites and podcasters and artists and cosplayers. And I used the, what I was just doing a minute ago, the the – but in that countdown not the opening theme but the whole sequence at the end yeah because it feels very pending dramatic mechanical there's mechanical techie parts to it there's sweeping emotional parts to it but it's all very build 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 to a climax and i just for some reason that popped into my head even before we had our conversation so well and and one of the things one of the things that you were just talking about before is um, is how it's kind of imprinted in our mind. And we're going to be talking about this in a little moment when we get to um, the counselor's log. But um, something that we, we've talked about in a different, um, in a different episode is how um, there are memories are not all created equal and um, memories from certain years have have a, a bit more of an impact on us like our teenage years our young adult years um those memories are much more um much more prioritized and they they have a it's called the the reminiscence bump for some reason our teenage years and our early adult years um we really prioritize those memories um, more. And some believe it's because it's the first time we're going through those experiences and our mind really does prioritize new experiences, novel experiences when it comes to forming memories. But for many of us, I'm, I'm seeing this in the comments section. Some people are saying it's the original series for me. Some people are saying, um, yeah, it's it's undiscovered country. Um, there's lots of different... This is the beauty of Star Trek is there there's over 50 years of music there are so many composers there's so many ways to do music in star trek that you can find there's there's something for everyone whether you want to go back to the original series you want to look at star trek discovery there was a comment earlier here about how star trek discovery brought back some of those um original sounds and and even star trek picard we're gonna uh, you know what you just what you said we're sitting here talking about composed music 
Yeah. Uh, there's a music to the sound. Douglas Grindstaff's original, I mean, the sound, the phaser fire, you know, uh, yeah. deflector shields, warping. I mean, the, the transporter beaming, the, 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 the audio library of the original series is so iconic that people recognize those sounds almost like a tapestry of music when they're used a correctly. A tapestry. And uh, I know. Up. That's the art. <laughs> Nothing to do with any cue Picard, you know, bed scenes. I mean, just uh, <laughs> we just use that term all the time. I know, but um, and then not not to mention Discovery and Picard retapping those sounds to be, you know, somebody would say they're they're fanboyish, they're nostalgic, but it's like no, it's the universe. That's the universe. They're using the canon of the universe to do that. But still, the even apart from the mute, the composed music, the sound effects can be an audible. You're uh, getting to just audible. Larry, I I don't even know how we're going to get through this episode because everyone is bringing back such great moments. And this is kind of proving the point that we're going to get into. Um, Cairo is is talking about the Star Trek IV hospital chase. I I love that sequence. It's so (laughs) silly and fun. And the music matches that in the inner light suite. Um, uh, Yeah, we've got a lot. Yes, the the hospital chase. Uh, Yeah. Dan says music idic, definitely infinite diversity here, infinite combinations. Mm-hmm. Alexander Courage, James Cor- uh, James Horner, Jerry Goldsmith, um, uh, John uh, and John Williams wrote many of the soundtracks of, of our lives. I absolutely agree with that. Nichelle Nichols singing in yes. um, in Final Frontier, uh, absolutely. There, there's oh well, you know, the original series too. Charlie's our new darling, and and Beyond Antares. We have actual music before they – she would have had a much bigger bit doing that. But I'm always sad that they didn't keep that going. Don't Let forget the space hippies. Star Trek has, has had um, – music has been featured in, in, in so many ways. So, Larry, let's let's kind of get into this. Um, let's open up the, uh, the briefing room um, because I think we could just go on gushing and gushing about music. But – but what, maybe what we're gushing, Dan Dan Lecky. Uh, yeah. I was trying to remember. No, it was. Uh, we've had several mention this. Uh, Cable Guy uses the Amok Time Fight song very easily. Yeah. So I haven't seen Cable Guy since it came out. Um, what's What's that moment? I, I don't remember that moment at all. Well, they, I'm trying to, but it's you know, it's he, it's Jim Carrey, and they crouch down. He's and they they get, they're starting to fight, and he crouches down, and then the Amok Time. I could do that. I could do that all all day, folks. Apparently so. So so we're let's get into the briefing room. So Larry, I want to I want to also talk about how this relates to to characters. So because we can we're going to go in so many different directions, but let's talk about how music actually relates to different characters in the show and character development as it relates to their stories. So what what comes to to mind for you? We have a very long list here of of moments, surprisingly. Yeah, you know what? And there's this is called uh, in co- in composition. This is called it's German Germanic word leitmotif. <laughs> but basically, when characters get a theme, and there's two that I think of. There's probably a Kirkwood floating around from the original series because you know they use several compose. Uh, Sandy Cur- Alexander Courage composed the theme, which I think we're going to talk about in a second. But the original the original series theme. When I say the theme. But they had a, a library of composers. I mentioned Saul Kaplan, and I'm going to go blank on everybody else. But um, um, 
and everybody, and I'm sure everybody will populate it in the chat. By the way, guys, we are trying to keep up with the chat. And by the way, everybody, we have been promoting uh, everybody. We have the best live experience chatting, just so everybody knows that. If yeah. you're new to Life Support Live, welcome, welcome, by the way. Um, you may notice that you're if you're on Facebook with us, uh, there's a big Facebook community. Not so much a big YouTube, and we are on Twitch, but not so much a Twitch community. So if you're asking questions, yeah. we, will, we will get to it. We'll see your comments. But if you feel all alone in Twitch, <laughs> or if, if you're new there, uh, or if you feel all alone in YouTube, um, most of the community is talking in Facebook. We're not. That's just where they've gathered. So we're looking at everybody. But we, if you're wanting to see what more people are saying in your experience, we recommend you go over to uh, my Larry Nimichek's Trekland on and, Facebook. And and that's that's one of the reasons why we're we're focusing exclusively on uh, live streaming now on Facebook at Trekland. And um, one of our goals now is to have the videos available on demand on podcast. So we'll get that up this this weekend. But we're funneling in now to Trekland because this is where the community has coalesced and life support live it's all about community that's why yeah. that's why we do this show yes. so um we're the tap is on to the other two we're just saying <clears throat> because so larry allergic to facebook but you asked me what did you ask yes. me i asked you a question about star trek and music specifically <laughs> i want to talk about oh, canon life motifs there's two character yes. themes i can think of right off the bat over the years um spock's theme that was in amok time mm-hmm. the bass the dum dum dum, and they use it for Vulcans in general. <clears throat> but that dum 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 da 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 dum 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 dum, you know the whole the whole thing that gets developed through the the weird unearthly kind of tone for a second. But the other one is is just you just call it Scotty's theme, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the bagpipes, and it's mm-hmm. it comes in when he gets in trouble in the trouble tribbles when Kirk is dressing him down after the bar fight. You know, but then he turns it around on Kirk and and he finally, you know, he doesn't defend. He defends his captain up until the point where he has to defend the Enterprise herself. And, you know, it's that dump, dum dump, dum dump, dum dump, da dump, dump. You know, it's in bagpipe sounding. Uh-huh. Um, um. And they pulled that back when he gets drunk in in uh, by any other name uh, with the with the Kelvin. They pull it out <laughs> again. It's a kind of a humorous Scotty moment. And that's that's a time when I can think of they did go to, you know, McCoy didn't get that. I don't remember Kirk really having one that that, that sinks in no. that pulled out. But that's that's like an on the nose, an actual light motif, you know, a Peter and the Wolf kind of. We have music for every character. Uh, that doesn't really happen in any of the well, music has a totally different dynamic in the Berman era series to begin with. Um so yeah, it takes a different form all the way. But that's the only time I can really think of like character defining bits aside from things like there's klingon music you know there's a romulan theme um picard i mean picard is probably the only other major exception um thanks to the interlight (laughs) yeah thanks to interlight i'm thinking of deep space nine not really not really voyager um not really nature of the berman rick berman did not like original series style music theming and tracking he wanted all the music to be tamped down and just be wallpaper that 30 years later we're not singing the way we do from original series and doug jones one of the two first composers finally got fired for doing that letting he was let go after he went all out for the best of both worlds and the borg themes 
and it was the most dynamic, memorable originals, aside from the inner light and the theme yeah. there, which was kind of integral to it. But as far as a regular show, he was, and you know, one of the, aside from the inner light, one of the few shows we remember the music from is, is best of both worlds. <laughs> right. Right. And, um, what's, what's great about Picard's theme is it, we see it in many different moments on, um, in Star Trek. So not only do we see it, um, obviously in inner light, um, at the end of that episode with Picard playing, um, the flute, but it's also then a major moment in story, uh, later on as well. Um, and that comes in the episode. Um, Larry, what is the name of this episode again? I can uh, I've given you lessons on this, Ali. Lessons, yeah. yes. So, um, and and this is this is something I want to talk. And and then obviously it's picked up again in Star Trek Picard, and um, it's it's evolved not only as a part of the main theme of Star Trek Picard, but it's it's in a few different moments in that show. Um, yeah, he's one of the only other characters that really gets a theme. But that moment in Lessons, I think this is, the, uh, let me put it up again, this is one of those moments where music actually features heavily as a story point, and I would be remiss not to say, just to back up for a second, the Kelvin timeline actually does flesh out more of a Kirk theme. The Kirk theme is a little bit more similar to the Enterprise theme, and a Spock theme the spock theme is actually i think beautifully um alone um and um isolated and it, it reminds me a lot of what we hear for spock's theme in wrath of khan and undiscovered country um with a little bit more mystical and um mystical sounding sounds Yes, uh, otherworldly. Yeah, yeah, otherworldly. Yeah, it's it's um, it reminds well, me a Kelvin, little bit Kelvin universe. That's right. I <laughs> it reminds me of what um Michael Giacchino did in, in Lost, um, where he would use um some of the musical instruments he would use were, were like playing on an airplane fuselage and and stuff like that. Michael Giacchino loves to do this kind of stuff, so I big fan um of his. But getting back to that moment in Lessons. And in, um, in Inner Light, music is actually a big part of what happens to these characters. So I, I kind of want to talk about that. Um, there, there's so many examples here. We were thinking about this. Like, when is music a big part of the story of the mental health of the characters on the show and in the movies? And the first example you gave, Larry, was actually Star Trek Ford. You're like, well... Music saves the world in <laughs> in Star Trek Four. It's it's the whale songs. When you brought yes, this is beyond ASCAP. Okay, this is beyond BMI. <laughs> the whale songs, exactly. Yeah, or as as some famous Vulcan might put it, the songs as sung by whales. <laughs> So uh, that is obviously, obviously uh, one one link over there. But if you look at T'Pol's history in Star Trek Enterprise, and I know usually when you say um, Star Trek Enterprise and music, most people think of this. Um, <laughs> it's been a long road. You know, we uh, I used to I watch. <laughs> I used to watch that. Um, I was in college when Enterprise was airing, um, and my uh, friends in my dorm room we would watch it whenever it aired, like Friday night. I forget when Enterprise aired, um, but whenever it aired, we by the end of um, 
one of the seasons, we created this super cheesy, horrible dance interpretation of Faith of the Heart. Um, and uh, my favorite, my my part in that number, Larry, is I would do this. I would say, "No one's gonna bend or break me." That was that was my uh, that yeah. was my my moment to show. <laughs> and you've resurrected it again. See, it took you right back to that time. Just, I will not let Faith of the Heart die. Um, I feel like so, I've not been fair to the chat today because there's been just a ma- – yeah, you were talking about it. No, it's mostly it. people People are saying how uh, beautiful and amazing her singing is and how we should spend the whole hour uh, doing that. But I, I do have a serious yeah. thing here to say about DePaul. You know, um, there's uh, Infusion – we see, uh, we hear, we don't actually see this, but T'Pol talks about how she left the Vulcan compound. Um, she heard a concert and, um, she started to feel very emotional about it. Yes. Um, and, uh, for someone who's 100% Vulcan, that's kind of a very big deal, especially when she is serving so. on a, um, on another planet. So, um, Right there, we get a good example of how music uh, is so connected to emotions and memories. And this is something, again, you and I are just living this throughout this whole episode. As we talk about this, these men, like the, everybody watching is doing this. And same. every, and everyone in the comments section. Yeah. Someone, um, earlier was mentioning first contact. And when I listened, oh. yeah, Scott was mentioning first contact. The moment I, uh, da, na, 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 you know, that was, Finally, the next generation got its own theme. Larry, this is something that really frustrates me. Hey, everybody, uh, get ready for an Ollie soapbox here. I, I'm getting out of my soapbox. You know, it, it really, really bothers me that the next generation, ha- um, its theme is lifted, is right. lifted. It's, it's a hand-me-down. Yeah, yeah. What, what the heck happened here? Why did this new Star Trek launch with an old theme a beautiful theme it's a wonderful theme but every time i hear that theme i don't think the next generation i think the motion picture Mm -hmm. and so larry why 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 did this happen because to to this day it frustrates me which is why i I also love i know i love first this is not our k3 fact no dennis Uh, somebody's by the way the the chat is awesome you guys are filling in for gaps that Music is a music is not only something that's a savage beast with Star Trek. It's all over the place. We could have a million. Uh, we get a cue sheet here, a memory sheet, and everybody's coming up with so many extra things. You're also filling in my gaps here when I would go lapse in the moment. But um, people throwing in things from all over the place. Uh, uh, but but we were. I mean, you were lucky enough like me, Ali, <laughs> to have been there when the motion picture debuted. We've got a whole generation of people that didn't see the motion picture in a theater. It was just one of those boxes on a shelf. Mm-hmm. And the next generation, there were three, they were five, they were eight, they were 12. When they watched it, when their parents showed it to them, when Uncle Fred showed it to them. And the next generation, they think of that theme as the next gen theme. And they're like, oh, why did the motion picture use the next generation's theme? So yeah, you were just... You were just lucky enough to be imprinted by the motion picture first. 
I'm gonna say. Yeah, yeah. But why? Um, do you know why, Larry? What what happened there? Like, why uh, I didn't? Think, well, I'm gonna guess that it's because. And somebody mentioned this too. That Dennis McCarthy wrote a theme. Yeah. And just like just like he did for Generations, and just like there was a theme written for Enterprise that they before they went to Patch Adams, um, <laughs> and then they used it later, you know, for the closing theme. And people hear the closing theme and go, now, why didn't they? It's a little soft, but then again, the opening of Enterprise is a remembrance. So, I don't know. You're finding that balance between nostalgic, sentimental, and, you know, Star Trek triumphant, hopeful outlook kind of tone is interesting. So, I guess they didn't feel like, um, or like the costumes made for generations. At the last second, it was done. It was and the last, went, yeah, it was eh, changed. Let's yeah. just do this. Let's just use that in the library, and we'll have a... Yeah, you know, it, Robert says, Next Generation is the continuing Star Trek saga, so why change perfection, Dr. Matu? It's it's a good <laughs> point that it there's, there is some continuity there. Um, and, but I, but I think the, the real continuity in Star Trek comes from the Alexander Courage, the opening, um, the opening notes, the, from the, the theme to Star Trek. Oh, what that, a great graphic. <laughs> that is our, our continuity. That is the connection between all of Star Trek. Um, so I don't know. Um, it, it it still bugs me, um, but we should we should get back to the briefing room here. Um, uh, I think um, Cairo also mentioned. What do you mean? <laughs> Kylo also mentioned that um, music also <laughs> saves the day in uh, the Kelvin universe. So um, the Beastie Boys sabotage can't stand it. I know you planned it. I'm gonna send it straight this Watergate. Um, Big part of my childhood. Sabotage. Sabotage. That was the the song that disables the swarm um, and allows the uh, allows the crew on board. God, what was that ship? That beautiful ship. I really love that design. Um, to get back to the space station, Yorktown. What was that ship, oh, Larry? The, Frank- the Franklin. The Franklin. Yeah. yeah. I love the Franklin design sorry, so much I'm more. Sorry, I was reading chat, and I. That's okay, Larry. I can. <laughs> I, we could. We could divide our our tasks here. Um, I love the Franklin design so much more than the NX01. I thought it was such a um, such a beautiful design here. But anyways, um, so the music does save the day there. Obviously, yes. Uh, but let's talk about the Doctor for a moment. This is something you and I went back and forth on. So music is really core to who the Doctor is in Voyager. Um, so if we if we look at um the doctor and boom here he is um so one of the things we notice about the doctor is as the doctor continues to evolve um he he wants more to do and it's it reminds me actually of a line from Battlestar Galactica it's not enough to to live you have to have something to live for I'm totally butchering it but um, uh, Adama says that line early in season one and that's that's the vibe I get with the doctor is having something he can work on as a form of expression and something he can master and improve and something outside of his daily life life uh, he needed that and for him it became music yes i'm sorry i i'm got oh i'm doing that i got engrossed to the chat over here i was like oh people are people are being historical over here 
Oh wow! There are people we're we're discussing lots of different music. Um, Zahir, yeah. thank you. I'm glad you you enjoyed my people my got sabotage. Off of your, your whole uh, TMP TNG uh, theme. Uh, oh, yeah. did I did I incite a little bit of TNG you got a motion lot of, picture a lot of backgrounding going on there? Uh, yes. <laughs> um, Oh, Tim says uh, Roddenberry chose a uh, motion picture team for TNG to bridge the gap. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Tim, that's – I can get behind that. No, This is something, Larry, you and I have had a lot of conversations with. Whenever Star Trek is rebooted or relaunched, there's a lot – it's very divisive, as uh, Sir Patrick Stewart would say. And so um, having – Oh, I that, huh? Yeah, I know. People have strong opinions about Star Trek, apparently. So, um, having more connective tissue between the series, that's a good thing. So I, I can, I can definitely get, uh, get behind that. Um, um, Brian says nice graphic. I don't know if that's in reference to something else or my shirt. I was trying to wear my Starship. Uh, Delta shirt. Um, oh, Larry, I wear a Star Trek shirt every episode, and then I realize that no one can see it because the way I sit. <laughs> so maybe I should stop doing that. We um, just need it. We need a ten second model. Okay. We'll have to incorporate that in the plan. There we yeah. go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So more canon. I want to talk about. I here. also like the fact that it's bright red, but we won't go there. Okay. Uh, next, it's next generation red. It's next. Oh. Uh, despite my. It's command red, not yes. ops red. Okay. Or motion picture era red. It's it's just that red that okay. everyone wears. Well, it's not quite a, as marching maroon as I remember, but okay. <laughs> um, another, um, another piece to talk about here. Um, I, you I think... start to talk about the doctor, and Earl is talking yeah. about it too. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about the doctor. He was talking about how everybody considered the music – extraneous to his program everybody was pissed at the doctor for adding on all these personality subroutines like his appreciation and love of music and it's just and it you know it eventually melts down his program they they run into the issue in the swarm which is what we were looking at there from his his first dive into opera of course that was well i think most people know that was bob picardo's love of opera and him pitching things for the character uh, and they picked up on it and of course eventually it's it, what is it virtuoso where he mm-hmm. He's, it's not so much about music, but the effects of fame. Fame is fleeting. Right, right. They can build you up and they can take it away. Um, but Earl is uh, asking that too. What do we make about Zimmerman and the other characters thinking that the Doctor's musical abilities were just surplus to the requirements? Yeah. You know, you know, we wouldn't well, have the problem if you weren't like loading up your, your capacity here with all this frivolous stuff like music. You know, that I, I think that's a very similar discussion a lot of uh, parents sometimes have with their teenagers. Like, why are you listening to this stuff? Like, wh- wh- this this is why are you listening to this junk? I think that every generation doesn't understand the music of the next generation. Or, why are no you pun intended. Up your time with fill in the blank? It's just junk. Right, right, right. It's totally, totally. And um, this is also getting into counselor log material a little bit, but, um, you know, music is, it's not just about, um, it's not just a pastime, but it connects to identity, connects to mood. We're going to, we're going to dive through all of that sort of stuff. And the doctors, it's, the doctors was evolving. The doctor had the original programming of a emergency holographic, uh, medical officer, an EMH. Um, and, 
he was evolving. He needed more. And if you want him to function like a, uh, like a artificial life form, he has to evolve. And that means having pastimes, having passions, having something that he can claim as his own and gain mastery over it. I mean, um, there's, uh, there's something called the flow state. And this is where you Boy, are. Are we in the counselor's log now? We're not. The counselor's uh, flow state. I, I did not plan to talk about, but uh, so this is a bonus. This is a <laughs> bonus, Doctor Batu. No extra here. charge, everybody. No, no charge. No charge. No copay. Um, <laughs> this um, the flow state is when you're completely absorbed in activity. Time is passing by very quickly. A lot of people, when people talk about. Um, uh, the runner's high or um, when people are completely engrossed in um, like swimming or running, it's probably like oh, a, 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 a library little... uh, when you're in a library and you yeah. lose time. When you're reading, um, people actually went to libraries. <laughs> yeah, when we went back, when we went anywhere, Larry, um, right. this happened to me on the subway when I lived in New York City. Sometimes, is um, if I was reading something, I'd get really absorbed into it. I might miss my stop just because I've I've lost track of time. Mm-hmm. So the flow state, it's uh, what's really core to it is your ability is meeting the challenge at hand. So the way I describe it is if if I was playing chess against a chess master, no one's experiencing flow because he just <laughs> he or she or they just completely destroy me. I have no fun. It's not in flow inducing for anyone. But if I'm playing with someone who's at the, at the exact same level as me and we both enjoy playing it's, this game, it's it's probably going to produce flow. Um, in fact, Larry, sometimes when you and I are doing our pre-show and we're planning, I get in a flow state and then we look at the time and we're like, my goodness, we have been talking for two hours. How has this happened? We need to go to sleep. Um yeah. So that's, that's a flow state and anything can produce a flow state. And so we all need to find activities in our life that do produce a flow state for us. And the doctor needed that as well. And for the doctor, music really became that something that he could continuously work on, increase his abilities and increase the challenge of the task. Yeah. My mind is like sweeping over any other character that was allowed to have that. That's a big. That's a big swath there. Somebody that was allowed to have that kind of uh, ongoing. I, I don't know. Maybe you know. Well, you got your data. You got your data, and data proves this. Uh, data just <laughs> experimenting humanity, which is. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, everything. Data had his so many hobbies. He wasn't like flowing into any of them. Whether it was you know role playing Sherlock Holmes or whatever, or or O'Brien and Bashir on their Holosuite adventures, flowing. But anyway, yeah, you know, um, I think I think he might be unique that way. Of course, the chat will will fill in some gaps here for me. Uh, and we, if we're talking music, we should also talk about Vic, um, Vic Fontaine, and uh, Deep Space Nine. There is a lot there that really ties into everything we're talking about, Larry. Um, I think Vic Vic's captures everything. So. There is, uh, uh, there's the holodeck and characters going here for some relief. Mm-hmm. And they're listening to music that's largely like nostalgic, not only for us, but very nostalgic for them. It's like beyond classic music. There's, 
I think there's a federation law <laughs> that says you can go compose music, but no one's allowed to listen to it for a hundred years. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or you listen to music from other alien races, and it's just terrible. It's uh, terrible. But it can be contemporary. I don't know. Maybe no one ever says how old the Klingon opera is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but know, if or, or I the mean, Tamarian thing that Jono is listening to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. one of the things that music does is it 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 it's a shortcut to memories, and um, it's a it very quickly alters your mood. And so, one of the reasons why they have Vix is to get that. They're in the middle of the Dominion War, and it's it's much like in the United States. We have the USO. We have this. Um, uh, we have artists who go um, and uh, perform for um, those in the military, and it's a bit of a relief from the the stressors of the day. And so, Vix is working in that way, in much the same way that you all watching and Larry and myself do. Is we'll listen to certain music when we want to feel different feeling so vix does that it's activating memories for us listening to some of that nostalgic moments it's um it's also doing things for characters and we see that for odo and kira it it brings them together but then even more so as i I think zahir first mentioned this in the comments but um uh nog Nog goes through a whole journey about working through his trauma um, of losing a limb um, in a battle with the Dominion um, and music and his relationship to music and to Vix is a big part of his rehabilitation. Which we weren't going to hit because we're going to save that for the PTSD. Theme. Yes, yes. But yes, <laughs> but yes, definitely so in the canon of music. And, and it's interesting that... Um, it's nostalgic, and I just want to say this due to where we've been the last couple of weeks, but people point out <clears throat> when we did our racism show, Prejudice, and mm-hmm. I should say round one because it's way too way too thick and thorny an issue and a part of our times today to only knock off in one week. So we'll come back around for that. I want to do in coming up. But when you, it's, it's easy to look at Far Beyond the Stars and Future Tense and some of the other shows, but there's a moment early in the Vix arc – and I forget which episode. I don't think it's his way. It's later. Um, somebody's going to pop it in here. But there's a moment when Cassidy is trying to get Cisco to go to Vix. It's, you realize that everyone's been in the Vix Holosuite except Cisco. And Cassidy is needling about it because she's all dolled up in her fort. She's all getting this. She's all getting 400 years retro too. 300, 400. <clears throat> and finally, Cisco says, "No, I'm not going because." That was 1962 Las Vegas, 20th century yeah. Las Vegas. Yeah. It, our people, which is so rare to hear that in Star yeah. Trek. Yeah. But he's connected enough to it that he appreciates the modernity of the Federation Starfleet outlook about yeah. equality, at least among humans. <laughs> but pretty much everybody. But still, uh, those Tellarites, they never get full respect. But he points out that if he goes into Vix, he's feeling like he's betraying history because 1962 Las Vegas yeah. was not segregated, was was not integrated. It was totally segregated. He says, you will not see us in a place like Vix. And Cassidy, bless her heart, says, because she, she doesn't want to feel guilty about going in there, but she doesn't want to feel guilty for no reason. And she says, no, 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 it's not history. It's not a recreation. It's all the best. It's as I was just watching this the other day. It's as if things were fair yeah. then, and we're all welcome there. And you will see everybody 
everybody comes to Vix. Yeah. Yeah. To uh, rip off everyone comes to Rick's from Casablanca. I, I but re- she, her point is that it's not pure history. It's recreated. It's been equalized. All the good parts of it are here without the residual bad. And that finally gets him in there, you know, and then we find out that the best is yet to come amazing as Cairo says is uh is such a great moment when Cisco starts to sing that yeah you know I think that that um that moment in the 90s now it it almost foreshadowed the whole discussion around the Hamilton musical and um we had um uh scott just said musical being a shortcut to memories that's really how music is used in musicals emotions memories time frame etc can be converged uh more immediately by the use of song and music here is music functions in much the same way that language does and not only is it a shortcut to memories not only can it alter the way you feel but it communicates and so much is being communicated in musicals so much is communicated in that music when when that in the moment when cisco starts to sing and it is this like this is how things should have been they weren't but this is how they should be and that's also what i see with the hamilton musical that it's it's america now we're seeing a story about America's um, origin, but it's being portrayed by what America looks like now, which I think is is so cool. Um, and it not sounds to, like now what it sounds like now, exactly yeah. what it looks like and sounds like now. And not to promote another giant media conglomerate, but D- <laughs> Hamilton is coming out uh, July fourth on Disney Plus. So if you haven't seen it, it'll be there. Um, you know what's funny about Vix, Larry, is now when I hear The Way You Look Tonight, I think Deep Space Nine. Oh, I don't, yes. I don't think Frank Sinatra, but there's that brilliant moment and it cracks me up and it makes me so happy. I know what else, It also makes me sad. I think I, I think you do know, but, um, when, um, when they sing, um, with each word, your tenderness grows, tearing my fear apart. And that laugh wrinkles your nose. Yeah. It touches my foolish heart. And they cut, they cut Kira and her nose. Laughing and her nose crinkling. Yes. So it's so good. And it's, it, it reminds me when I first saw that episode. I saw and, that coming a mile away. Yeah. yeah and and I, I was so sad. Um, so sad to see the show go. I was, I, I um, and now I hear that song and that's, that's what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the moment. And so Vic's is, it's all of this. Everything that we're talking about, it's all Vic Fontaine. And as we were saying, and I think, uh, I think Cairo 47 on Twitch was talking about that he's almost like a, all those functions of Vic, what it does for people, but he's like, he's a singer counselor in the way that Guinan was a bartender counselor a little bit. So, uh, it's but most seen in the nog in in, um, in the nog episode. Larry, um, just, yes. Are you looking at chat or am I? I'm looking at Earl. Oh, Earl 
just talked about uh oh whoops yeah. i put up insurrection uh, i'm sorry i put up nemesis and that's blue skies uh but uh, what i meant to put up was actually something uh different what i meant to put up is this image right over here oh, yeah. um so let's let's talk insurrection because no, music- this is the thing you're talking about when does music save the day and we were yeah. laughing about the whale song i mean i'm a little hard there's times i'm a little hard pressed to think of a music but this was one time data was locked his program was locked and loaded into sabotage their sabotage and the only way they could penetrate data's you know uh this programming and overtaking his character as it's had before a couple times was jumping into gilbert and sullivan and insurrection yeah. and that yeah. whole little sequence was it was funny but it did the trick yeah it's how they penetrated his program yeah and it's it's um that's that's kind of what music can do um that's kind of what music can do for us too anyone who's heard a um um earworm a song that gets stuck in your head um that's kind of what music does and um one of the things that you can try if you get a song stuck in your head uh one of the things you can actually do is just listen to it uh, like put the song on and just kind of keep listening to it until it gets like out of your head. Um, th- there's something about it being incomplete. Like you get a piece of it, but you don't listen to the whole song, but your, your mind sort of wants to, uh, the programming is still firing away. So you can do that. But, but music does that, Larry, we can be passing by on the street, something that we used to do in the before coronavirus times and you might hear you might maybe you and i get together for lunch and we hear a song play and then immediately we're taken back to that moment as a kid or when we heard this as a jingle like for some reason there's there's certain random jingles that are just stuck in my head um like there's I don't know why, but Merry Christmas from Payless and Thrifties. That's just a jingle that's always yeah. been in my head as a kid. Or um, I am stuck on Band-Aid brand because Band-Aid stuck on me. Like yeah. there's just – they're just in here. If and- you're going to go commercial jingles, we're going to be in trouble. But yes, I totally understand. <laughs> yeah. I could go I on and on, if, folks. I don't know if we have any Okies in the audience right now, but if I do the B.C. Clarks, which has been sung on The Tonight Show two or three times over the years by Okies on The Tonight Show when they're a guest. But the, the B.C. Clark, jewelry is the gift to give because it's the gift that'll live and lives. Anyway, it's <laughs> that's B.C. good. I Clark's like that. Christmas jewelry jingle song because <laughs> they've been doing it since the 50s. And there's been know, 47 generations of Okies who've grown up because it's like people say it's not Christmas till I hear the B.C. Clark's jingle. <laughs> um, Earl is also reminding us of life. Forms, do 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 do. Yes, yes. Precious little life forms, do 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 do. Where are you? Do 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 do. Do But we we also have other other examples here. Worf keeps coming up, and Worf is one of the only ones who we see um, we see music really tied to culture, and um, this is another function of music that you and I haven't talked about. Larry is the the cultural um, how music can be a part of cultural customs how it can be a part of um in the case of klingons not only do we have uh, klingon opera but like any time a klingon is going to a battle they're like great songs will be sung of this day and, and if it's songs of our victory if it's gauron you have to have like or, you know ah! <laughs> and there 
music is being used to honor and remember individuals who have performed great deeds it's a way of uniting people together and this is one of the things that you know i'm just going to put on the graphic because larry we are going back and forth between the counselor's log and the mission briefing here for a long time people have wondered why do we have the ability to experience music? Like, what function does it serve? Why has it stuck around in our programming? Why is it a part of our evolution? Because there's only a handful of species that can experience music the way we do. Um, so why is that? Um, and one of the theories is that music serves a very important social function. We, we've talked a lot about how our ability to collaborate beyond our bloodlines is something that separates humans from other species. We can scale up cooperation way beyond our families, way beyond small tribes. We can collaborate in the hundreds and thousands, if not millions. And we see that happening right now with coronavirus, people wearing masks, sheltering in place. This is a millions and millions of people are collaborating here. So, um, we think we meaning not me, I'm not a music scholar, but like we meaning like humans think that um, music syncs us together socially. You'll see this at any performance. Um, when there's, uh, when you're listening to a concert, people start tapping their feet. They start moving with the rhythm. Ass resonant frequency. Yes. Yes. Um, in much the same way as. In much the same way as um, what, what sabotage does in Star Trek Beyond, um, it's um, it, it cuts through everything and it kind of unites us all together and it gets us moving in sync. Um, so maybe that's why we have music, and um, I think that's exactly what we see here with um, uh, with Worf and the Klingons. Is music not only can serve to um, help us remember, but it can unite all those Klingon warriors together in battle um, and get them working together a little bit better to overcome whatever challenge that they're facing. It's a cultural swell. It's like it's like a row team uh, on a boat. It's like I mean, it's a it's a yeah. It's like the rhythm of the music and the unity. In the shared memory, I can totally see that. It's it's like soldiers marching to you know, da 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 da. da. I mean that's it's a it's a common thing. It's just the Klingons elevated to yeah song and I don't know did Vikings sing? I can there's so many elements of Klingon culture that go different. I think any any armed force there's there's an mm -hmm. element of music you know and you see that with from the marching bands to right. um, John Philip Sousa to Glenn Miller to yeah. Uh, Tim is yeah. bringing. Tim's bringing up William Shatner la Lounge singing Rocket Man and Leonard Nimoy singing the Ballad of Bilbo Baggins, which how could we forget that? I think that's that's more on the line of uniting fandom in a memory more than <laughs> yeah, that's true. Plot, but yes, Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, the greatest little bit of them all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh yes. Yes, indeed. I mean, the, we, yeah, I'm amazed that we've the, the nails have hung together on this show today with us going off, taking off like that. Oh, my gosh, Larry, they really they're going in so many different directions. Um, there's one more thing I want to say about um, for the counselor's log. And 
Yeah, this is something. Um, this is something that I talk about with a lot of the people I work with. Is not only is music um, does it? It's a shortcut to memories and emotions, and um, it completely transforms the way you feel. Um, music can be very validating. So mm-hmm. listening to sad music when you are sad can make you feel a bit less alone. It can it can help you to feel like you're being seen, like you're being heard, like your emotions, your thoughts make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes... Which was not Star Trek, but yes. Well, I don't know if you've had this experience, Larry, where you're really sad, you listen to sad music, and it feels good, but then you get, like, even more sad. So that's... That's something I talk about with a lot of the folks I work with is when is what we call mood congruent music. So when you're sad, listening to sad music, when you're happy, listening to happy music, when is it too much? So sometimes if people are struggling with a breakup or a setback, um, listening to too much sad music can actually make you feel a lot worse or... Right. Some, uh, maybe you're vulnerable to something called bipolar depression and, um, sometimes your mood goes too far low. Sometimes it goes too far up. When does listening to s- some music amp you up too much and get you, uh, vulnerable to what's called a hypomanic or manic episode where you have too much energy, too much motion, too much going on? Um, another problem is if you're angry, listening to music that makes you angry, when does that become a problem? And those lines are different for every person and they're different in every kind of situation so that's something to to think about for all of us here is when do you need to switch it over or turn it down quite literally or when do you need to switch from if you're listening to too much sad music and it feels it feels right and authentic but then when is it kind of pushing you over the line and when does it start getting in the way of things and when do you need to switch that up Um, that's something that uh, it's a challenge for everyone, everyone who, use, who uses music as it relates to mental health, which I think a lot of us have been doing during the coronavirus. We're yes. trapped, we're inside, um, and for many of us, music has been a profound source of relief. Well, yes, and then on top of that, for everyone, and I hope everyone, paying attention on some level to to the social upheaval that we're in, racial and even yes. beyond racial uh, all kinds of layers of society that that lead to inequality. <laughs> so wherever we are, on, on top of the coronavirus pandemic, and on top of keeping your head above water because you know whatever your economic status is related to the the pandemic. I mean, there's yes. there's such a interrelated mishmash of things going on now that's a, it's real and it's also emotional and there everything is affecting each other in a way that I don't. It's almost like I want to go back to. I don't know, uh, back to like World War II when everyone was equally thrown into, you know, the situation and whether, whatever you're, we're all being affected in some way, but there are so many myriad ways to be affected that we're all affected somehow. Right. And, um, and music was very key then too, but, um, it's also like a, a mass social crisis. Music can be important. And sometimes it's something patriotic during a war. Sometimes it's expressing a theme like brother, can you spare a dime? I mean, you have the songs that the songs and the music that become a, the anthem for a generation 
um, you know, or maybe, you know, the Beatles music was like the, the blooming of the baby boomers younger. I don't know. I'm getting I'm getting off the deep end here. But uh, music can also speak for groups and speak for generations. Right. As an yeah. as an I mean, that's the anthemic anthemic. Is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, role in music and uh, i'm trying to think of a star trek application here madly but uh yeah well i think a little bit gets to rom um we see this a little bit in in rom's story line is when um when was it uh, when does it get to a point where it's causing problems and the the thing for me is uh, i think about impairment like when when do the things that help us start to hurt us and everything, like I'm, I have a very big mug of coffee here. A little shout out to Story Collider, an organization I do a lot of work with, um, helping uh, to tell true stories about science. Um, but like, when when does too much caffeine become a problem? Right? Um, if I'm starting, if my body is starting to experience problems, if I'm too jittery, my anxiety is really going up, my heart rate, um, GI problems, um, gastrointestinal, I, I realize GI can mean a lot of different things should have spelled that out. Um, and I think we see that in Nog's character. Uh, Vix is really helping him up until the point where it's not. And that's the thing to think about. You To use a video game analogy, uh, you know, I was talking about flow a few moments earlier, and f- f- video games are designed to create flow states. They're designed to improve your ability, increase the challenge, improve your ability, and time just kind of completely goes by. But an analogy I love using is we want music to be a power-up for you. We don't want it to be a side quest away from your life. We want it to help you to do the things that you want to do better we don't want it to take away too much from the thing from the the direction you want your life to go in and it's a fine line and it always kind of changes but it's it's wonderful to hear in the comments section um for example um if i can find it i think it might have been tim um uh no it was earl who said um i spent the the past three to four months rediscovering funk and this is something that I think a lot of us have been doing is is either rediscovering different music or really um, kind of uh, nesting in with music that's always really helped us, and it's something that can can take us into a different mood state. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned on Live Support Live. I've mentioned it over at the Psych Show, but uh, for me, um, my daughter and I, she's <clears throat> almost three years old, and every day we do a dance class. And we listen to a bunch of Broadway songs and a couple of non-Broadway songs, but like Zooto- the song from Zootopia is in there. Um, and just listening to this like upbeat, happy storytelling kind of music. Sometimes it's not so happy. Like we have uh, Les Miserables, uh, one, uh, one Day More in there uh, as well. One Day More. Um, <laughs> that's, that's not happy. It's mixed. But um, it for a moment it takes us completely out of our lives and it helps us to get some exercise together we have a lot of fun um, but if I did too much of that I could see that definitely becoming a problem so it's you know it's it's a it's a fine line Larry it's um it's and there's that line is different for everyone yeah yeah I, I want to give a shout out here on the chat, partly because yeah. she's actually in YouTube, so I hope she's not totally in an echo chamber by now. <clears throat> but Sylvia Guerrero has said uh, once or twice, yes, 
about Native American music, and yeah. she says it helps her with her ADHD and bipolar. It relaxes her mind at night when going to sleep. It helps me. Uh, yeah. Uh, Native American music, I mean, music of different cultures in different ways says something about that culture, but uh, in the big in the big uh, patchwork quilt of, of the available music out there. Uh, That's why sometimes I actually really get a lot out of listening to music where I do not understand uh, the language. Um, hmm. It uh, Like for me, if I listen to... And this is a question I actually get from a lot of people since we're technically still in the counselor's log. We can talk about this too. Is, um, is it better to listen to music when you're working or not? And the answer is do whatever helps you to focus. So some people who listen to music, it helps them to focus because it drowns out everything else and it kind of focuses the white, their the mind. White, the white yes. noise. Yes, yeah. And for some people, it does that the exact opposite. It's hard to not focus on the music when you're doing work. Um, so do what works for you and different things work for different people. If you're a parent and you don't need music to focus and your kid is telling you, no, it helps me focus, maybe listen to your kid because yeah. it might work for them. And that's okay. There's a lot of diversity here. Um, but the thing I know about myself is if I, if I'm listening to music that has lyrics that I understand, that completely distracts me. But if I listen to music that's instrumental, like, film score music or classical music or romantic era music or uh, instrumental music yes <laughs> yeah yeah or instrumental <laughs> music um or music with with spoken word from languages that i don't understand mm -hmm. that helps me tremendously um, but yeah. the moment i hear language i understand my mind is completely distracted you're, you're into that yeah i'm into that yeah so you kind of need to know what works right, for yeah. you i know a lot of people who have adhd for whom music is what helps them i know a lot of people who have adhd and music completely distracts them so mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of diversity here We're all, and, yes you know yeah. the, there's uh um there's a lot of room. We need lots of different brains. You know, infinite it's, diagnosis and infinite combinations. That's idic. It always comes back to idic. Oh, Larry, I get the D word. Very good. Okay. <laughs> Larry, I think it's time for K3 oh, I, Factor. I got a K3 Factor for you. So one of the music moments that I think people remember. Um, yes, and we call this K3 Factor because in looking for icons for the show, like, Way team, way mission, briefing room. Uh, one of the few, especially from the original series, one of the few uh, pre-counselor pre in Starfleet times was the K3 factor indicator there on the biobed monitor. Before you even called it a biobed monitor, it was a display <laughs> screen over the bed in sick bay, a sick bay bed. Uh, but the K3 factor is brain function, electrical activity. And so the K3 factor is, is getting back to deep dive Star Trek in light of our theme this week, music. And we've talked, we've touched on so many, and we've been talking about so many you know, stories behind the music, the situation. Sometimes it's even the politics of something going on. And I had a case here that we haven't, it hasn't even come up in the sidelight here yet. But back to Rathacon, can you put it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I can put. It. I will back always put Rathacon. A very iconic music moment was after Spock died. Yeah. Oh, not that one. I Jimmy know what you're talking about. There we go. <clears throat> uh, yes, Spock's funeral. 
And I don't know how everyone is the first time they – if you remember the first time you saw Rathacon and you weren't uh, pre-warned, yeah. but to have Scotty back there playing bagpipes yeah. of, of Amazing Grace was a surprise. Now, when I was in the theater, I uh, – well, I – yeah, it was – for one thing, it's great to see Scotty getting to do anything in character. It's good to see any of them yeah. doing anything, a character moment that was, oh, that's a Scotty thing playing back. And we'd never seen him. We'd seen bagpipes as set dressing in his quarters once mm. late in the series, but you'd never heard him play them. So mm-hmm. that was that was cool. But then the whole point of it being Spock's funeral when you're emotionally wrung out anyway at that moment in the mm-hmm. movie, especially the first time. And here's Scotty playing bagpipes. So that's cool. And he's playing Amazing Grace, which on one level is amazing. But there's a part of me as a fan that had remembered everything that I'd read about Star Trek and thought myself that this is 23rd century. They're really kind of beyond, if if not religion itself, at least old earth forms of religion. And, and, you know, um, even the alien Spock talks about gods at times and Tuvok gets into that later. But there's not a lot of overt theology going on in Star Trek. And to have an old, you know, Christian Protestant hymn played for Spock of Vulcan. Yeah. I know I know. Kirk says, uh, of all the souls I've encountered, his was the most human. It's very poignant there because yeah. of Spock inner duality. So I remember sitting in the theater going, well, that was weird. But then they've been screaming Admiral on the bridge the whole time and wearing all this brass on their sleeves. I know it's the Reagan 80s and things are getting more militaristic. I'll just take it and run with it. Well, I was amazed to find years later when we were doing the Trek Files, my podcast, mm-hmm. if you get that one ready. Um, I was the only one that thought that. And so I know this is the whole page. So this is a, a note that Gene, when Gene had been demoted after the motion picture, when Gene had been demoted to executive consultant and they gave power to Hart Bennett to actually run the movie and then he brought on uh, Nick Meyer to direct. This is the whole front page. But the bottom paragraph there, Mm -hmm. uh, Gene is saying to Gary Nardino, head of the studio, oh, my God, you cannot have Scotty playing Amazing Grace on the bagpipes. Mm. That's this is it's like Harv thinks that's going to bring tears to the eyes of fans. Well, they may be crying about it, but it won't be in (laughs) it won't be in the way he intends. Gene totally thought that would be another thing that would be a laughable moment in the movie that Star Trek fans would think that was completely out of place. Wow. I really? Yes. Now, here's the thing. So the 80s is Gene trying to find his place and keep his clout before Next Generation comes back. Yeah. The second movie and the third movie especially, and the fourth. And that's a moment where as much as Gene had been cultivating his, you know, guru Gene persona – there were missteps on the motion picture too a lot of you know gut feeling but there were times when gene could totally misjudge star trek or what it had evolved into and i this is a kind of an amazing moment to where i thought the same thing i didn't get up and walk out of the theater but i remember wincing at that but you know now it doesn't bother me it's like oh yeah this is where scotty plays amazing grace on bagpipes for for a vulcan's funeral because because rathacon <laughs> that's what it is but at the moment, that's what Gene's first reaction was, too. And now fans later on and at the time and, you know, 40 years of hindsight, whatever we're into now. Um, are we coming up on 50 years? Oh, geez. Uh, no, From 40. Wrath of Khan? Wow. Yeah, are we? 
40 years. Shh, I didn't say anything. Whew, okay. um, <laughs> in two years, it'll be 40 years. But my point here is with hindsight, we've all gotten used to it. And you could say, oh, my God, here's a place where Gene totally misread the tea leaves on fandom. Yeah. And I think at the time there was some grumbling about it, but I think most people embraced it. They, you know, the mass movie audience embraced it in fandom, too. And I don't it's one of those things that we can go back and look at. But I just love this as a K3 deep dive factor that an iconic music moment here that we all remember mostly fondly was something that Gene was dead set against. And you can argue whether he was wrong or whether time has just made us immune to his objections, you know, unless we get all intellectual about it. But emotionally, it seems like it's always resonated. Well, so there's a lot here, Larry. And um, a deep dive K3 factor is the only way you know how to do K3 factors. And I am here (laughs) for it, Larry. I am here for it. Um, But I want to work back to bagpipes, Scotty, um, Spock's death. And sadness. So um, I just want to speak for a moment about sadness and crying is sometimes we associate tears with sadness. Tears can also be a release. So um, oftentimes, if you've been holding something in for a long time, or you've been under high stress, or the stakes have been high, um, Tears can happen as a way of really releasing and calming. And I experienced this the, uh, as my, um, as my wife was going into labor and we were waiting for, I was waiting for my daughter to be born and just trying to support her and help her through that. Once she was finally born, all I did was cry. And that was a, just a massive release of all that stress that was in my body and that stress had nothing to do as someone who was not giving birth i was just revved up with nothing to do and for many i think in that moment too not only are they mourning the loss of spock but this crew has been through a lot Mm -hmm. they've been through a lot and so the this ceremony gives them all a a opportunity to release some of that as well and something i really there's two things i really like here about that funeral scene is one i love that these people of science have now approached a time where um there are no scientific answers you know we don't know much about we don't really know anything about what happens after someone dies. And it's, I think it's really interesting that at this point they are going back to some cultural customs, whether it is Amazing Grace, whether it is Scotty using his bagpipes, whether it is coming together to say these words. Um, these are ancient, ancient customs that we have. So I, I love that. And for me, it never, um, it, it's, it's funny you mentioned the bagpipes and all the connotations there are there. Cause for me, my family, um, originally immigrated from Pakistan and outside of the UK, the number one producer of bagpipes is Pakistan. Um, bagpipes are a huge part of Pakistani culture. 
Do and tell. Yeah, yeah. It's um, actually the, um, the Pakistan's biggest producer of bagpipes is a town that is not that far away from where my mom um, grew up and my mom's family comes from. And so for me, bagpipes have always been associated with uh, my cultural heritage and my family going back. And so I think that scene, there's so many pieces. There's definitely um, a Christianity part of it there's a scottish part of it there's um spock's um identity you know his his was a soul that was most human um that was my horrible shatner impression um and there's there's so many pieces to to so many threads so much tapestry there in that scene and and that's what was coming up for me i love that scene so much it always always makes me emotional um even though i know he's coming back in the next movie spoilers for those of you who have yet to make your way through the star trek canon so but question yeah the first time so i understand you the bagpipes invoke your childhood and growing yeah. up but, yeah, yeah yeah okay or, or not your child your, no your, no i mean i grew up here in california but I, it I evokes say, evokes yes. a cultural heritage a, a direct family link yes kind of, yes okay so nowhere in the time you're watching the movie did you go Amazing Grace? That makes no, no sense for Spock. No, no, I didn't. I didn't because... century, you're playing him? No, no, yeah. it never did because Amazing Grace was not really a part of my childhood. So I hear... Now I hear Amazing Grace as an adult and it evokes a lot of different things. I mean, it evokes President Obama in um, in that moment um, with that funeral, with that horrible death. And it evokes that. Um, but it also evokes Star Trek Wrath of Khan. Uh, for now, me... Wait, wait, whose funeral are you remembering? Um, the I'm blanking on his name, but it was uh, the the killings, the, the murders that happened at the church, and um, oh, okay. and Obama, President Obama, attending that funeral, South and, Carolina church, yes, yeah. um, okay. and Obama singing. Um, oh, and he, Amazing he acapella's Grace. Amazing Grace, yes, yes. Um, you know, okay. it, it, that's that's a, a cultural touchstone moment. In, for me, in my memories, as much as Wrath of Khan and Amazing Grace is there, like it, it, uh, Amazing Grace was not associated with religious um, doctrine or customs for me. And so for me, it's associated with Wrath of Khan and Spock. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I'm sure people are going to pop up. Oh, wow. So that's my K3. That's if you want a K3 for <laughs> Ali's life, uh, there you go. Um, and with that, maybe we should head into our away it's mission. time to send forth and, yes, be fruitful and soundify. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I got, I got a really straightforward away mission here. Is um, So what I want you all to do is um, make a few playlists. So think about the emotional situations that you are going through right now. And um, what I want you to do is make playlists that will help you cope with these situations. I started doing this uh, about um, four or five years ago. And I started doing this because I kept telling my patients to do it. And then I was like, maybe I should take my own advice, Larry. Maybe I should do this in my own life. So what I did is... I should heal thyself. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and so for, for me, 
one of the emotional situations I was struggling with most is when I was leaving work and coming home and I was tired and all the thoughts and memories um, and, and the struggles that my patients were dealing with, they were just floating around in my head. And I needed something that helped me transition from um, seeing a bunch of people all day long and helping them with their deepest, darkest moments to being with my family at home and trying to be a... We call a, that turning off work. Yes. Yes. And, <laughs> and that's, it's, it's, it's a key, it's a key thing for all of us is trying to leave work at work and, and be at home at home, which is really hard right now in the coronavirus world since so much of it is integrated now. And so much, so many of us have lost work too. So I created a playlist that I call hope and it's music that makes me feel like I've just kicked butt. Um, that the world is, is, in general, getting better. And it makes me feel powerful and strong. And there's a lot of film score music in it, but there's also a lot of pop music. Um, there's a lot of Beatles. I know the Beatles were getting a lot of love in, in the comments section as well. So w that playlist completely helped me transition out of this one emotional state and to get into another one. So I want everyone watching, if you haven't done this already, to create a few different playlists that help you cope with different situations that you might struggle with. If you struggle with cleaning your home and doing dishes, make a playlist that is fun, that helps you to get into a different state. Put some of your favorite Star Trek music together. If you struggle with some situations of sadness, maybe toss in music that also validates that emotion, but also gives you some feeling of, uh, of connection to something else. So I have a few different playlists now that I go to when I need it and they give me that memory emotional uh, boost that gets me out of one state and into another Larry I don't I don't know if you do this but a lot of people do this automatically when they're in a car and they're driving people sometimes do this less when they're at home and we need to we all need a little bit of that uh, music therapy in our in our own lives to get through the situation I, I did one huge playlist one time I had a friend that was a fellow reporter who was when we were all in Oklahoma and he was moving to California <clears throat> this is obviously before we did. And I did a playlist that was a whole combination. It was a comp and there's a unique dynamic here. You might know this a historical thing between Oklahoma and California and not just the Okies and grapes of wrath, but like people who left, like people who get famous the minute they leave Oklahoma, um, including astronauts. The minute they can get to space, they're famous. Um, <laughs> and Oklahoma used to have per capita more astronauts than the other state. I don't know if you knew that until mm. the core got so big. Anyway, I had a, I did a tape that combined everything. It had wrath, had wrath, had grapes of wrath moments. It had Will Rogers. It had all kinds of bits and pieces. And it had Southern California things like it never rains in Southern California. And I've never been to Spain, but I've been to Oklahoma. I mean, there are all these bits, and I made it for him. And he and it had some sound clips too, and it's some audio. Um, and I kept I had the tape. And then a few years later, when we moved to Oklahoma, we moved to California. It became kind of a I was like, oh, and we played it with the kids driving out and we moved and uh, it became a real emotional touchstone thing because it was like home and forward and hopeful forward and mournful past. And here's why I'm leaving and here's what I miss about leaving. And and it was very emotional. And, and I we played it. And when we go on vacations, we would play it because it was a road trip tape. But that was probably my biggest effort. But even now, just the way, say, 
iTunes is set up or the way we do music digitally. Yeah. I have a, um, it's, it, it, totally a sidebar here. When I was growing up, everything was either rock. I had a brother that was 10 years older. So mm-hmm. I remember a lot of, of rock when I was, you know, music that was whatever era we're in. I remember music 10 years before I should be remembering it because mm-hmm. it yeah. had a 10 year older brother. Right, right. So it wasn't just when I got to junior high or high school. It was way before. But I can remember music um, when I was three or four. We took a huge road trip up to see was the last one before I was born. They went all the time, but we had a, I had one uncle in Nebraska that a huge family, and we would drive up. And at least once, when I was probably two or three, we drove to see them. It was probably like really the last time. And I years later, and I remember the earliest earliest pop, like quasi pop, quasi countryish crossover music from the early 60s mm-hmm. and i remember all these so- like sukiyaki is one of them and several things from that time and it was years later that i went you know what i think that was what was playing on the radio on this big road trip because i'd never experienced like driving 10 12 15 hours in a car it's in early 60s speed or uh, you know speeds of that time and i just realized what an like why do I have this playlist in my head? Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire. But oh it's like, my I gosh, love certain, Johnny Cash. This certain era. And if I, one time I went, these are all like from this one time when, when I was very young and we took this road trip. But the biggest of all is like now when I, when I, um, and I, when I found swing music, big band music, which was a total throwback to the 30s and 40s, but I was a history guy. But I was so tired. All I grew up with was either rock or country, rock or country. And I was, even though rock was the music of my time and country was parents or the culture I was in, swing sounded like a lightning bolt out of the black. Whoa, what is this? It's not Mm. rock. It's not country. And I've always been a big band, not even so much modern, but a big band person. And now when I buy a lot of music, I have like I have classic country and I have, you know, pop of this pop and rock of a certain age. And rather than a dedicated like hope versus <laughs> I'm depressed mm-hmm. versus I want some hope. I just have genre lists. And I found out that if I'm like my get up in the morning and get going when well, I'm not a morning person. So I'll play my swing, you know, list. And mm-hmm. when I'm uh, tired and I feel like either either tired or I feel nostalgic all these Jim Reeves uh, early you know like this this country of a time when it wasn't like just dripping and twangy guitar country kind of country ballad even though I say I hate country music but if it's old enough and classic enough then it's nostalgic but but again it all goes back to like your younger things childhood and all that I don't I'm going to get slings and arrows here. I'm not really keeping up with music unless it's really, really mass and penetrating. And I realize I need to know something for the culture today. Right. Or else right. Totally I mean, I mean, that happens to all it's, of us. It's like self-selecting. It's like I don't have lists, but I'll just play one of those, you know, lists. And it's and it, there, there's 50, 60 songs on there. And I can even like find moods within the mood and go with. Yeah, it. no, I, I, I definitely connect with a, with a lot of that experience myself, Larry. I think my musical taste is kind of frozen 
in 2005 it kind of stopped right there like i think uh i have a friend who's really into music my friend jamie and he he tries to keep me updated on on everything but um you know for me kind of stops after i after i got out of college but we're all that way though yeah i think we're all yeah it's very envious of people my age and and a little later who actually know what's going on contemporaneously so i know i i I just kind of keep listening to the same thing like i just got um uh there's there's a few different genres that do different things for me as well. Like film score music often helps me to focus. Um, pop music often helps me to give me, give me more, a uh, bit more energy. When I'm actually like feeling a bit more alone and this hasn't happened in a long time because I've been trapped with my family <laughs> for months now. <laughs> but, um, sometimes w- <laughs> when I'm, when I'm traveling and I, I miss my wife, um, a good one for me is Garth Brooks. She introduced me to Garth Brooks. And you mentioned country. And Garth Brooks is the first country. Um, uh, Garth Brooks and Johnny Cash, I would say, are the two two of the biggest country stars that that I love, that I, I love their catalog so much. And um, listening to Garth Brooks helps me to feel more connected to my wife. And the specific song is Standing Outside the Fire. That's the first song she 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 grew up loving Garth Brooks. And um, in my early 20s, she exposed me to Garth Brooks. And the song that first made me love Garth Brooks is Standing Outside the Fire. I just love the lyrics so much. There's Because um, uh, it's not enough to stand outside the fire. Um, it's standing outside the fire. Standing outside the standing outside the fire i just completely butchered his song maybe we should go back to a muck time (laughs) (laughs) but not until i say garth brooks is an okie also really oh that makes sense you call water tower right on i-40 home of garth brooks you know he um there's a uh now as it was in the 80s and 90s but yes we're we're watching uh we're watching his documentary on uh on netflix and he's always wearing an oklahoma hat so that makes a lot of sense so there you go um so with that larry i think we need to open up the hailing frequencies i know some folks had to some folks had to leave some folks are uh still around um but we'd love to talk to you if, if anyone wants to um talk about oh, music yes. we've got about um 20 minutes before we speaking of family before i need okay. to sign off but Where we would it? love there it is no, it's, it's no there. no okay. other way i think i yeah. can get it uh yeah. boom you but maybe you oh, should do it. Yeah. yeah. Please uh, Skype in. Try to Skype in with us. Yeah, it looks like, looks like Glenn wants to talk to us. So, Glenn, um, stand by. We are going to bring Ooh, you okay. on to the show. Um, and, Glenn, just to get you ready for this, make sure you um, mute the live stream um, so that we don't get that horrible echo effect. Uh, and we're going to bring you on. While we're waiting to bring I'm on... catching up in the chat here. There's all kinds of... So stress. much is happening in the chat. And... and for those of you in the chat, um, give us a comment about the music, um, the genre, the Star Trek music or the non-Star Trek music that has been most helpful to you during this time. So we can all kind of learn from each other and uh, and uh, uh, expand our horizons. Time song. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Glenn, I am going to uh, I'm working on bringing you here and I'm going to try very hard to bring you in without um, kicking Larry off. That is our challenge here. While you're doing that, I just see Cairo47 on Twitch. Uh, Hi, Robert. 
say apparently Brad Paisley is a huge Star Trek fan. Yeah, he, they did. He invited Shatner. They did an album together. Um, it was a thing. I'm trying to remember what the name of it was, but it was it was while we were doing uh, Hawk Theater was going and I was editing. Yes. Okay. I feel like we need the the transporter danger music. <laughs> Glenn, can you hear us? Also I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, wonderful. Hey, Glenn, there good go. to see you. Oh, we have Feels like maybe not. I've got the Skype window, so we're yeah. Glenn, hey, thank, Glenn. Uh, welcome to Life Support Live. Oh, glad to be here. Uh, what would you like to talk about? He's calling well, us actually, files of engineering, obviously. So I hope yes. hope it's not too lonely down there. <laughs> and actually, this is the uh, Star Trek Continues engineering set, by the way. Oh my goodness. Oh, I recognized it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Photograph. So that. anyway, um, oh, go ahead. Oh no, 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 go, go, go. Okay. So anyway, I, I have a story about um, the fact that uh, I was saved by music, uh, literally, mm-hmm. and life and limb. Because um, a couple of years ago, I was working out and I tore my left bicep tendon, bicep distal, distal bicep tendon, and um, I needed to get an MRI before I could go in for surgery so they could determine the extent of the injury, how to do the surgery, if they could do the surgery. And it turns out that I'm extremely claustrophobic. So I tried to go into a regular MRI uh, machine. I couldn't take it. I had to have them pull me back out. Tried to go into open-sided MRI, not realizing that even with the open side, the top was one inch from my face. Couldn't do it. Then finally, somebody said, there's a large MRI machine at this particular place where you can play music. And so what I did was I brought music that's always called me. It's, it's uh, Yanni's uh, Live at the Acropolis. And as soon as that started playing, um, I was able to lay down, close my eyes, go through the entire, entire MRI procedure, you know, half an hour in an enclosed space for somebody who's claustrophobic is normally terrible. Yeah. But for some reason, that music allowed me to go through it. And I even opened my eyes a couple of times and, oh, yeah, there's a wall next to me. No big deal. Close my eyes again. Wow. And so – that allowed me to have the successful surgery, and then the music also helped me to heal. When I'm, you know, when I'm sitting there depressed, I can't work out. I'm gaining weight. Um, I'm eating like I'm still working out. Um, I would just listen to music, and I was great. And then, and then, as soon as my uh, as soon as my arm was better, I started playing the piano again. Wow! Music soothes the savage brain. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and and yeah. you know, I, I lost my job a couple of years ago, also as well, and. Um, Whenever I felt really depressed or really anxious, I would just immediately run to the piano and start playing, and that would help me a lot tremendously. Um, Glenn, that that story that you just shared, I think it's the perfect – it's like the textbook definition, but the ultimate example of a coping skill, of something that helps you get through a situation that you might not otherwise be able to. And in, in this situation, it, it – it saved your life and gives you and and you're talking about when you lost your job it kind of gave you a way of getting through some very dark times as well um i uh, have you ever heard of an individual named clive wearing c l i v e uh wearing w e a uh w e a r i n g have you ever heard of this person i haven't but i'm writing it down 
look him up. There's a great video. Um, there's many videos about this individual. And for anyone who's interested in music and how music can just help us with some of the most difficult times, Clive Waring is an individual who experienced a brain in, uh, an infection in his brain that destroyed his ability to form new memories. And, um, he was locked in just seconds of time, sometimes wow. minutes of time. And you would go in a room, you'd have a conversation with Clive, you'd leave, you'd come back, he'd have no memory of it at all. And he it's was stuck in these moments. Archer in Twilight. Our, exactly. Just like that episode of Twilight. He had a 24-hour cycle before yeah. he lost. He, Archer had more time, Clive had less time. Um, but, but, Glenn, there's one thing that would allow him to exist for a longer period of time. And that was music. He was a pianist. And when he played music, he could play these pieces for a long period of time. And that was the only thing that stretched out um, time for him. Otherwise, it was just these brief moments. And there's something so powerful about music and its ability to take us and transport us somewhere else. Um, and I love your story for that. I'm, I'm curious. What what comes up for you when you listen to Yanni now? Do you remember that moment of being getting that MRI, or is it something else, or is it yeah? Did it well, no, like, actually, actually, Yanni's music is something that helps me to relax mm. at any at any time. Anytime I'm stressed out, or when I can't sleep, when when I'm having sinus issues, my nose is stuffed, and I can't concentrate on my breathing because that's the worst thing to do when your nose is stuffed. I'll throw on Yanni, and it'll let me roar to sleep. So, so now I actually associate Yanni's music with healing, relaxing, sleeping. I, I love that. I love that so much. Um, well, in, in Star Trek, is there a certain uh, piece, composer, theme that really sticks out to you in the way that uh, Yanni's music does? Um, pretty much all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if I hear anything Star Trek, it immediately brings me into the, in, you know, into the moment of my favorite, whatever the music happens Any to be, it'll remind me of that particular era. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If I, if I hear anything from Star Trek four, I'll start smiling like crazy because I yeah. love that movie. It's, it's uh very uplifting. If I hear the wrath of Khan, it's, you know, battle, battle music. If I hear the Amok time theme, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And any, anything Star Trek will bring me into the moment of when I was first watching it. I love that. Uh, you know, the Star Trek four theme, if you listen to it on its own, it's so silly. It's so, uh, it's so whimsical, but it, it matches the mood of the movie. It does. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the hospital. Um, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, uh, these themes are, are a little bit of a departure, especially Deep Space Nine. It is a little bit darker and haunting in tone. Um, d uh, what was your reaction to those themes as those came out? Well, when I, when I first heard Deep Space Nine, I thought, this would sound really great sped up by 30%. <laughs> it was just a little but, bit too slow and drawn out. Most people feel that way about seasons one and two of Deep Space Die. Just watch them at, at thir <laughs> 30% <laughs> faster speed. You're going to have a right. great time. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, same thing with uh, with um, with Enterprise. Mm. When In the third season, when they added the backbeat, they added the oh, rhythm guitar, yeah. and they remixed the, the lead singer's voice so he was about 20% quieter. Yeah. That made a that made a wonderful theme. If they had started with that, there wouldn't yeah. have been nearly as many people just liking the theme. Yeah. yeah. Although they did that, <laughs> they created the happier theme during their darkest season. 
<laughs> during the Zindi arc. So it's well, like, well, if you notice, that's kind of what happened with Lost in Space too. When, yeah. when Lost in Space had John Williams' original whimsical theme, it was all dark, deep, serious. <laughs> and as soon as he brought in the serious theme, that's when they started going to lighter episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it helped people to make it more palpable. This is so funny because it's it's. Uh, I don't know how many people in chat or or you, Glenn. Or you, Ollie. Um, well, we talked about it a little bit. Like you have a specific. It's tied in maybe with the first time, but you have a, or maybe not. But you have a specific memory attached to a specific, mm. like a personal memory attached. I have two, real quick. One is the Voyager theme. I always snap. The first time I heard it was at the crew screening at the lot, and and Janet worked on Voyager. And we were all at the cast and crew screening. It's the first, and it's the first time a lot of the actors and the crew, like everybody worked on their part, but it was the first time, aside from the editors, it was the first time most people, even in the family, saw it all together, the pilot. Mm-hmm. And that opening title, and Dan Curry's title sequence and the music and all of that, everybody was just like, we were all blown away. And part of that's like all the pilots, people are always excited at a pilot. And everybody thinks, I mean, they were excited for Farpoint <laughs> because it was the first, you know, Star Trek series in 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 twenty years, and so that was exciting. So sometimes your emotion of the moment yeah. is coloring your like. Now we sit back and it's just another title on that. We look at all the pilots and we're like, oh, this one's better than that one. But in the moment, you're excited about it. But I will always remember <clears throat> the beauty of the Voyager opening credits, and that's one thing. If people think a lot of people may say that Voyager's opening title is the is the prettiest, spaciest show oh, of all the absolutely. You know, you know. <clears throat> Doesn't yeah. make any somebody wants to say, hey, who's who's that who's that hot dog pilot flying through rings of asteroid rocks? <laughs> <laughs> Why is he so low to that, you know? And boy is he <laughs> flying close to the sun. <laughs> I always go back to that night and everybody leaving the theater and think, Oh my god, that was the best pilot ever. This is gonna be all the tension with the Maquis and all the interpersonal things, you know. Paris hates Chakotay and Neelix and Paris are jealous over Kess and all that stuff that went away in two episodes. But yeah. <laughs> we all left the theater. But the other thing is the first contact theme. Mm-hmm. Not so much for seeing first contact because, you know, seeing it in a screening or in theaters and all that or whatever. But for the I went I was at uh, the Hilton in Las Vegas for the week before the experience opened. And even though the the old experience at Las Vegas in Star Trek in, in in Las Vegas, even though it utilized all the music, all the themes, clips, you know, sound clips, audio bits, video clips from all the eras up until that point, for some reason, <laughs> as we ran around working madly, setting up displays and booths and doing painting and doing signage and some of the last minute touches, and I got a chance to help out with that. It's like the first contact theme was on a loop. And to this day, I still think of the outside of the old experience and the catacombs when I hear dum, 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 for the billionth time, because <laughs> it was just on a loop. And I, and I, you know, and at the time, I'm like, I'm so sick of this song. But now I have a very, you know, because it's, you know, it's obviously no longer with us and long gone. And right. I was working on it before anybody else got to see it. And we were madly running around trying to fix problems and. And put things up, and it reminds me of that, and the great Penny Jude that was there working on it. And anyway, it's kind of a bittersweet yeah. set, totally apart from the, you know, which is what we talk about. We think about 
we hear music from our teen years or whatever, and it takes us back to that moment. And that's like the weirdest thing I think any Star Trek music does for me. It takes me back to the week before uh, the experience opened. Glenn, I got one more question for you. Oh, no, please go ahead. You were about to say something. Oh, I was going to say that I I absolutely love the experience. Living in Las Vegas, it gave me the opportunity to go there quite a bit. And um, yeah, yeah, that's when I was first exposed to the GNDN acronym. So, Mm. oh, (laughs) which means goes nowhere, it does nothing. Goes nowhere, it does. I think that was was that in the history of the future section. Was that in the history of the future section of of Star Trek The Experience? um, I'm not sure. I just remember that they first started talking about it on one of the tours of my first time there. Yeah, Uh, that was a. uh, I I will always miss Star Trek The Experience. I I try to describe to people the joy I had when I first was transported in Star Trek The Experience when uh, you think you're going to go into the shuttlecraft and then like suddenly you're beamed up to the Enterprise. Um, and I, I, the way I describe to people is it's exactly what you think transportation's like. And they're like, well, it, it's not a thing, yeah. Ollie. And I'm like, you, no, no, no. You, you, yeah. You, you, have, you, have to, you had to experience yes, it. And I really, yeah. really wish they'd bring it back. And if they do yeah. bring it back, that part has to be part of it. Yes. Yeah. Because it is magical. Yeah. Uh, um, Glenn, one more question for you uh, before we let you go. Here is uh, what's what's helping you right now. Is there any music that's that's helping you get through this uh, this strange time we're living in? Well, I'm lucky enough to be one of those people that I do IT work for a career, mm-hmm. and and actually I have Star Trek to thank for that because mm-hmm. you know Star Trek engineering got me into computer engineering, and that's what I do for a career now. Um, so I'm lucky enough to work from home. But again, when when I'm having when I'm having periods of stress, I go back to music. Mm-hmm. Either I'm playing something myself, or interestingly enough, Larry was just bringing this up: big band and swing. Mm-hmm. Big band and swing is something that can really really lift your mood in a in a hurry. Yeah, and especially yeah. if you go back and watch some of those old movies that had. Uh, I was just watching a clip of Chattanooga Choo Choo from I can't remember the movie, but it was Glenn Miller and his band with uh, Tex Bounty, and uh, you know it just Is immediately it, just launches you back into happiness. What's the ski resort in Idaho? Yes, that's it. That's the one. I, I can't. Th- I've got. I can think what it is, but I can't think. That. I've gone blank. Yeah. Um, um, I love I love that Earl said uh, GNDN goes nowhere does nothing is 2020 2020 after <laughs> mid February for me <laughs> um, absolutely Glad thank you so much for being here uh, I love your beautiful background uh, GNDN is on that background I mean is it real. is it, it really it's somewhere on the that one it's on the Kingsland set. yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, as a matter of fact, um, on the Kingsland set, also I was on. I was lucky enough to be on the bridge, and there was actually one of the, one of the buttons on there said Control Alt Delete. Oh, and had me cracking up. I love that. Yeah, yeah. They they did a whole bunch of inside jokes on that set. Oh man, um, I love all those little details on on all the sets. Um, Glenn, thanks for being on the show. Thanks Sun for Sun Valley Serenade. I just yes, yeah, Sun Valley Serenade. That's it exactly. It happened in Sun Valley. Was the yes, the, yes. The Chattanooga Cougar is from Sundays. Okay. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for being on, Glenn, and thanks for being right. in the comments and a part of the community. Yes. All right. Thanks yeah. a lot. We'll see Long you next time. Yeah. See you again. Yeah. <laughs> um, gosh, Larry, I, I love that. 
I love that story from Glenn. Um, and I think that story also captures everything we've been talking about in, in a nutshell. Um, this has been, um, a really awesome, um, awesome episode. Um, folks, if you want more of this kind of stuff from me, um, go ahead and check out the psych show. I talk about psychology and mental health and how it relates to pop culture all the time. I appreciate all the love for people are saying I have encyclopedic knowledge of Star Trek. Um, have you, have you met this guy right over here? <laughs> Larry, maybe this is why our pre-show conversations take three hours is we're like, okay, we're going to have, we're going to have a very short one today larry and larry goes yes yes we're gonna have a i gotta go to sleep and then we end up talking for three hours about that didn't work well the other night yeah no no. um a light one after prejudice okay fine (laughs) fine. now music i can think of a few and then you get going right oh my gosh sound like it was gonna be a radical thing we could add to the list and then it winds up getting squeezed out by you know, Harry Kim playing clarinet. Okay. Oh my. Oh, we didn't even talk about Harry Kim playing. Somebody brought clarinet. that up over here. Thank you. There's been a lot of of, of um, great moments brought up in the chat, guys. I want to make sure and let everybody know. There's been a lot. I mean, I I, I feel like I've looked at the chat less. I feel like I've looked at it, but mentioned. Yeah. yeah there's there's a couple of things in the chat I want to speak to real quick before we wrap up. So um, the DS9 is getting a lot of love, and folks, if you haven't listened to, um, there's a version of the DS9 theme that's done with a, a a full orchestra, and it's a much longer version. I'm sure it's floating around on YouTube, um, but it's it is gorgeous it is um uh it's it's almost like you're listening to the ds9 theme in standard definition and now you're listening to it in hd um so check out that full orchestra performance of deep space nines uh theme if you haven't listened to it and um larry a show that i have very mixed feelings about orville um, a lot of love about how much um it's it's really uh its theme is really an ode to a nod to uh the voyager theme um and there's a lot of discussion happening about the orville um have you ever watched orville larry have you have you oh, gone I, yeah, I, i've yeah i watched it from the beginning and yeah. uh, a lot of the trek people you know uh brannon and dave goodman and mm-hmm. uh andre and um what marvin rush was a dp in the beginning they brought him in to help establish the look and uh, doug drexler is now working on the hulu season of of the Orville. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Trek DNA there, which was Seth, Seth MacFarlane's intention because that's what he wanted. He wanted it to be like all good Star Trek. He wanted to be exactly the same, but totally different. (laughs) (laughs) I also, I think the uh, trademark, uh, and licensing attorneys were looking for that as well. (laughs) But, uh, no, I enjoyed it. It's gotten better over time. It was very cringeworthy. I was determined to watch it. That's why I stopped. The part jokes, you know? Yeah. yeah. I I watched the first two episodes and I was like, not for me. But it much, it got much better. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, everyone is telling me it's more episodic Star Trek. So if if you've been turned off by the more serialized storytelling of Star Trek Discovery or maybe even Star Trek Picard, that this is the the show to check out. So you know, I I, I, I should do that. It's it's on my it's on my to do list. But like honestly, it feels like a to do list. Freeze dry, nineteen ninety four, ninety three, next generation, and then thawed out in twenty nineteen, and that's what you've. 
somewhere magically a few things have up, have modernized, but basically it's yeah. That sounds that sounds strangely appealing to me. A little disgusting, but also <laughs> a little appealing to me. So um, maybe maybe I should check that out. Um, almost it, anything that was originally freeze dried before twenty twenty, if it's thought out now. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's true. Um, we haven't. Th- there's so many more nooks and crannies of the Star Trek universe and of uh, music that we could get into here that we haven't had a chance to get into. But um, I think the comments section has been um, just really uh, knocking it out of the park here on this episode. Thanks for listening to the Life Support Live podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on this episode. I'm at Olimatu on social media. And I'm at Larry Nemechek. Hey, if you like this show, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. It'll help more people to discover life support. And you can join the community at our Life Support Live Facebook group. If you'd like to learn more about psychology and mental health, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash thepsychshow. And for a deeper dive into all things Trekland, like Portal 47, check out Larry Nimichek's Trekland on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, live long and prosper. Trek well, everyone.